shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will see your eyes on him we lay aside every doubt we lay aside every negative thought every wound every hurtful idea every feeling of abandonment and hopelessness we lay it down it's a lie we don't believe it because we're nestled in your arms God Oh, you've made a table before us in the presence of everything we fight with. All we've got to do is sit and eat. All we've got to do is rest and feed. We don't have to fight or struggle for anything. You already paid the price and made the fight. And now we just have access. Oh, we fix our eyes on you. It's pure love. Oh, we fix our eyes on you. It's pure acceptance. Oh, we fix our eyes on you. You've already judged and said it's good. Come to my way of thinking. We fix our eyes on you. Oh, we fix our eyes on you. And all the saints and
If you don't mind, the Lord said to tell you that you like working in the dirt. And he said to give yourself the same grace you give your flowers and vegetables. He said, because you don't look at them and say, well, you're just not growing enough. You're not doing enough. You need to be doing more because you trust and know they're doing exactly what they are supposed to do. And that those roots are growing and they're becoming deep. And you don't worry about it. You plan it and you leave it. Because you know it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And the Lord said with you, your roots are growing deep. Though you don't see a lot of leaves and flowers blooming right now. He said trust that he's doing a work inside of you that you can't always see. 
and just have grace for yourself. Stop getting on to yourself. Stop chiding yourself. Stop being negative toward yourself. But instead, just say, I thank you, Lord, I'm growing. I thank you, Lord, that I'm growing. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I was even last week or last month, last year. I thank you, Lord, that I'm growing. Because the seed that he planted in Eugenia is sprouting, it's blooming, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. You just have to trust it and have love and grace for yourself. From you are all things to you are all things you deserve the glory
all of that says the the earthly things will go dim as we look into his eyes as we begin to see Jesus the light of the world everything else begins to become dim amen um Amen. I'm reminded as they were singing that song, a minor revelation one where um, John, the revelator, he saw Jesus. Um, I'm going to read. I'm just going to read it because I can't help it. But Revelation one. That's not even what I was going to preach on today. It was kind of what I was going to preach on, but we're going to we're just going to read Revelation one. It says this: Revelation one, verse nine. It says, "I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ." I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha Omega, the first and the last. And whatever thou seest, write in a book and send it to these seven churches, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Then verse 12, it says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about with the paps of a golden girdle. With his head and his his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet was like unto fine brass, as if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters." And in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth was, was, went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was that of the, as the sun shineth and in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. That's the vision that we begin to see. It's funny because John, he didn't recognize the voice. Although he knew the voice of Jesus. He had heard Jesus talk many times. He had seen, seen Jesus many times. But this time he sounded different. Amen. This time he said, I don't really recognize that voice. But he says, but when I turned and I saw the voice that spoke with me. I begin to see something that I'd never seen before. I begin to see Jesus in a different light like I'd never seen him before. And he begins to explain to him all the way he saw him. And then at one part he says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I said, this is it. I'm done. I've seen everything that there is to see that I need to see. The John, the revelator, he wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote the book of John. And in John chapter 1, he says, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Amen. When you look in his eyes, the things of this world grow, grow, grow strangely dim as we look at the light of Jesus Christ. Uh, it begins to talk on a little bit further here. It says, um, that it talks about a man named John, and, verse, and it talks about John, and it said that John was a witness to the light, but he wasn't the light himself. He was just saying, I'm, I've come to let you know that there's something going to change. Um, in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Talking about Jesus here. Um, I want to begin to go over here to, I wanted to read that. It says, the word became flesh. I wanted to read also out of John 3.16 today. Kind of what I really want to just talk about. 
John 3.16, verse 1. My Bible, it talks about the new birth, entering the kingdom. Um, verse, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, book of John, says, There was a man of Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said again, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We're talking about a mystery. He says that you don't know where the wind comes from. You don't know where it's going to go. You can't say the wind started here and it stopped here. He said this is like the kingdom of God. He said it is, it is un, unthinkable for us as humans to see why a God that created everything would stop and say, but I wanted you. Amen. And so we begin to see here that Nicodemus comes to him and he begins to ask him and says, you are a teacher. We realize that nobody can do these things unless you be sent from God. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says in verse 3, unless one is born, of, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he began to ask him these questions, the spirit and God. Jesus said, don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Uh, he said, because, so everyone who is born of the spirit, it's, it is a mystery in our heart. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why. All I know is that one day that I, I heard a voice. One day I heard, I, I, I knew in my heart that, that, that there was something that I needed to do. There was somebody I needed to call out on. Now, fortunately for me, in my life, I was raised knowing who that voice was. I was raised from the time I was, I was adopted at two and a half years old. They picked me up in Oklahoma City, brought me home. That night, I was in camp meeting at Cupco Free Will Baptist Church, and I've been in church ever since. So I had the privilege of knowing and being taught that's the voice of God. Now, there are many people in the world today that do not know the voice. They, they weren't taught what the voice is. They weren't taught who he is. And, and a lot of things that they've taught about the voice, the, 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 the voice of God or the heart of God, a lot of things that we've taught in the church, most people have said, if that is the voice of God, I don't want to hear it. Because if God is going to kill me, it's never made sense to me, never added up to me that Adam sinned and because of his sin we're all sinners, but now, and, and, if, and I'm a sinner, I don't have a choice in the matter, but I, God may still kill me even though he never gave me a choice to begin with. And you take some doctrines and some religions that teach that there may be a chance even if you do say a prayer that you may not even be one of the elect. So there's no assurance, there's no, there's no, there's no, that that's, doesn't sound like a very good gospel to me. But Jesus said it is a mystery. See, that's the thing about us is we want to figure out who's worthy and who's not worthy. We want to, you know, we have these things now, you can pre-qualify for a car loan or you can pre-qualify. We want to make sure that everybody's pre-qualified before they come into the kingdom of God, before they come into the heart of God. And, and we most time become people's Holy Spirit. We become the judge and juror. In a minute, we're going to find out. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn. Amen. The Father made the blood so the Father judges no one. He's given that to Jesus at the end of time. But you're going to find out that Jesus' judgment and his justice is a lot different than ours. Amen? Our judgment and our justice is you get me, I'm going to get you back. And if I do it really good, I'm going to get you better than you got me. Amen. And that's the God that we've taught. That's the God that we've preached is, is you've sinned against God and God is going to get you back. But he's justified at everything he's going to do to you because he is God. 
And we've been told you just got to lump and like it. Because you may not be elect. And he might be pouring it out on you so that you can teach you a lesson. What we've been saying is, is we're saying we're better parents than God is. My wife and I was, was, was talking, Beth and I was talking today, uh, today in, in a couple of days, yesterday, about, about this idea of God is going to teach you a lesson. So God, we've, we've, I've heard people say before that people get cancer, well God's showing them a lesson because God knew that they could handle that. How many of us, the Bible says, how many of you being good people, good being, being evil, would give your children good gifts? <laughs> and if so, how much more does God want you to have? So we come up with all these ideas that we can't come up with answers. We, don't, we have answers for these things, and, and we've been preaching that God's doing this to you. God did this to this country. He did this to this country. And it's amazing that God does everything to every other country except for America. So we begin to see here that, that, that what we see in life sometimes is not necessarily God pouring out, but it is the result of our own making. The result of our own ideas, the result of our own actions. He says, I will give you over to a reprobate mind. There was a time in the book of Romans, he says, I gave them over to their own selves, to their own pleasures, to their own things. And in judgment to him in that moment was, you do what you want to with it. We see where we've got ourselves. And we begin to see here uh, in verse 9, it says, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came from heaven, this is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Man, he said, and what the scripture says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Amen. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he began to reconcile everybody to back to God. There's a reconciliation going on in every single person. Every human, every person that's ever drawn Beth is being reconciled back to the heart of God. He said, I'm pulling you back. I'm, I'm beginning to woo you. I'm speaking to you and I'm hearing you. And, and I believe that the voice of God is knocking and it is on every heart and every human being on earth. They begin to hear it. They don't know the voice. The Bible says they sit in great darkness. But as we begin to point to the light, our job is not to make people do things right. Our job as the church is not to make the world be right. Amen. Our job is not to make our neighbor do what they're supposed to do. Our job is to point them to the light. Our job is to point them to the light and say there is light. You, there is darkness in your life. And you don't have, I, I found something. So the, the church is so passive aggressive at times. Our church is so aggressive and our little things that we put on Facebook and we put on things, it's, it's so jabby. It's so just like, oh, if you was as good as I, <laughs> if you was as good as me, they are. For God so loved the world. Not that God so loved Christians, God loved the world. Uh, Paul even says, while you were yet sinners, <laughs> before you even came into this, before you even found him, yet he died for us. He died for us because he said, because you have fallen in a state and I want to give my life so that you can come back to the garden. You can come back to an understanding of who you are. We see that the reality of it is that Christ died for sin. The sin that we think he died for is not drinking and drugging and all the, the drug, sex and rock and roll. The sin is, is that you don't believe in Christ. And it's not just that I don't believe in a physical Christ of this man, but what does Christ represent? 
Christ represents a union with God. He represents a sonship and a relationship with God. And he says, you don't believe in Christ. You don't believe in who you were created to be. Woo! Ah, if I be lifted up, if Christ is lifted up, I will draw all men back. I will reconcile them. To reconcile means to reconcile. It means to come back to an original understanding, walking and talking with him in the cool of the evening like Adam and Eve did with God. They were in union. Woo! So it says here that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then, and then John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now listen to this. He who believes him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now, that sounds like it contradicts. It says here, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what? Condemnation. Well, who's condemning them? Jesus? No. Jesus just said, I didn't come to condemn. Well, who's condemning them? We are. Who's condemned me? I have. I'm my own worst enemy. Anybody ever go, oh, you're stupid. You're dumb. You can't do anything. You can't do this. You're this. You're that. That's condemnation. Because you don't believe in the name of the Son of God, Christ, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who come to reconcile and take away, take away, take away the sins of the world. What is the sins of the world? Is that we don't believe in who God created us to be. Woo! Created in his image. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Now watch this. Their deeds were evil. They, they were evil doing evil things. Why? Because they did not believe in who they were. Woo. The Jews believed that they were a part of God because they had the, they'd been given from the beginning. But the rest of the world didn't even know him. They didn't believe it. And so because they didn't do it, they did evil things. Why? Because Christ was not in them. They didn't understand who they were. They were created in the image of God. And so when men are left to themselves, what do we do? Evil things. We create all kinds of things and still are. We've created wars. Right? And even the Christians have got into the wars. God said I could kill you. Huh? And so we, he says we were condemned for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that, that they have been clearly seen that they have been done in God. And this light is the condemnation. And the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Because they didn't understand who they were. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, let's look at that everlasting life. I've been told my whole life, if you receive Jesus, you'll have eternal life and you'll live forever. The reality of it is, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or you don't believe in God, you're going to live forever. We're all eternal. But where do you choose to live? Do you choose to live in Christ? Do you choose to live in a a mindset that says, "God, God created me? 
And if he created me, then he didn't create something junky. He didn't create something that he wanted to destroy, but he created with me with life in mind. So the word eternal life, that word life is zoe. And zoe is not just like I'm going to live a long time, but that is life as the eternal one has. There's a difference. If you have life and life more abundantly, he says, you'll have eternal life. Eternal life is an existence, is not just a, a, a number of how many days, but eternal life, that word is actually of quality of life. Maybe we can say the people are living, but are they living? I've seen people that are alive, but they're not living. We know people that, that, that exist, they work, they go, to, they go to school, they go do whatever they do, their jobs. But I've seen people that are miserable, they're alive, but they're not living. Amen. And I see people all the time, and the church has gotten so caught up in that, well, they're drinking. If they'd quit drinking, they'd do that. Well, yeah, duh. If they'd quit doing drugs, they'd quit doing, they'd have life. Well, duh. But if the church would quit pointing out all the sins and go to them and say that sin is not even the issue. The issue is you don't know who you are. You are created in his image and he has better for you. He has life for you. He wants you to smile. He wants you to enjoy. He wants your relationships to be put back together. He wants you to be whole on the inside. He said, he told him, he says, if you are not born of spirit and water, you will not see the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about heaven. Romans 14 and 17 says that the kingdom of heaven is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Woo! We've been saying, you got to know him or you're going to miss heaven. No! God didn't die for you to go to heaven. Jesus died so that you could get into the kingdom of heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven would permeate from you. Watch this, nice. righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I keep preaching this over and over again because I believe it's important. Righteousness is right standing with God, believing and understanding that God never separated you. Have you ever heard this, that God got so mad at the garden that he separated himself from man and God can't be around sinners and God can't be, he can't do anything, have anything to do with unholiness. Well, how in the world does the Holy Spirit speak to us then? How in the world did Jesus ever come down and be a part of this world then? That, that argument falls apart. Righteousness, right standing with God to realize that God never separated himself from man, but we in our own condemnation begin to pull away from him. And as we begin to pull away from him and turn from the light, darkness begin to creep in and evil begin to come out of our hearts. And we begin to create ideas and things to fulfill something that was missing on the inside. And what was missing is to step back into the light and realize God say, I never separated from you. Man, this is a beautiful thing. Righteousness and peace. <laughs> One of the things that we have in our society right now, and the church is turning a blind, and we don't want to look at it, is mental health. There are people that are in, in their mind, in their, 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 their minds, they're, they're hurting and they're in pain. They're struggling day in and day out. There's a struggle in our minds. And the church wants to just be religious about it. The church just wants to be religious about it. We want to just say, you need to do this. If I could, I would. That's why I come to you asking for help. But the church doesn't want to help because we don't have an answer. All we want you to do is throw some money in the bucket, show up and act right. And vote like we tell you to vote. Peace. I keep preaching these two scriptures go together in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, I believe, or 2 and 7, where he says, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, sorry, my bad, where he tells Timothy, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Woo! God wants to restore your mind to make it sound, to make it whole. Oh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The gospel is about ha 
having joy. It's about enjoying life. It's about looking outside and stepping and go, man, it's a beautiful day. It's about looking at your neighbor and saying, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's about looking at this world and saying, God is reconciling himself back to himself. It's about looking at this world instead of looking at everything that's wrong and say, God is lifted up and he's drawing all men unto me. It's about realizing that I can't mess it up. Oh, this is a powerful gospel. If we will take the shackles off of it and take the religion off of it and allow it to be presented to people's lives. Ah. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says this. This is the heart of God. Therefore, from now on, verse 16, sorry, Second Corinthians 5 and 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we now, him know, we now know him thus no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. (laughs) He gave his only son. You should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse verse 5 to 17, it says, therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why do I need to believe in Jesus? Because I'm going to go to hell because God's going to kill me? No. So that you can be a new creation. So that God can help you put your mind back together. So God can help you put your heart back together. And in doing those things in the internal, he will begin to see you put your life back together. How many times have we seen it? And Beth and I, we've talked about all the time in the ministry, we've seen people strung out, broke, busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted with everything. And in a moment, they begin to turn their eyes to Christ, and the darkness begins to fade away out of their life, and their life begins to change. I have seen men and women in prison. I've told this story before. We've We've had three guys in our ministry that we've seen that had a rap sheet since they were 13 years old, sitting in prison, and all of a sudden they encounter Jesus. Not a jailhouse religion, but they encounter the light. One guy said it was literally like a John experience. He said, I've, I've seen him, I've heard about him, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, talked to him, whatever. He said, but I heard a voice I didn't recognize, and when I heard it, he says, I'm Jesus. And he began to, begin to cry and begin to weep and he give his life to the Lord. The very next day, he had a He had to go before the court, and they were going to send him back to prison. He'd been to prison since when he was 15, and a whole story, he was like 38 at this time. Going to send him back, he'd give his life to the Lord, and he said, Lord, I don't know, I'm not going to make any promises other than I just want to continue looking at you because I feel you're changing me from the inside out. He gave his life to the Lord. He, He turned his eyes to Jesus. The next day, they come in and they said, we don't know what's going on. But we can't find your record anywhere. There's no paperwork, and you're not in the computer system. The judge, he had been before the judge five times already, this particular judge. He says, I know you. And he says, according to my mind, I could send you to jail today, but we don't have paperwork on you. And standing there looking, he says, so what do I do? He said, I don't know if you're a praying man, and I don't know if you believe in God, But you should leave here and every day you should thank him for what he's done for you because he has literally set you free. Five times I've heard that exact same story. Men and women. Five times I've heard stories of men that were so strung out on drugs that couldn't do anything going into an overdose and all they can say is Jesus. And they turn their eyes to him. And everything else began to go strangely dim and the light began to grow in their eyes. I'm not talking about men that were so strung out. I'm talking about men that were so strung out that you couldn't even, they couldn't even put sentences together. They were burnt, smooth up. And in a moment, God gave their mind back to them and could speak. And now, 
preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing their testimony of what God has done for them. See, too many times we want to preach. Too many times we want to preach. We want to tell people what they're doing wrong and grab this and beat them over the head with it. You need to get right. You need to get right. You need to do this. Instead of sharing a testimony, I've been right where you're at. Give me your hand. Let's walk through this. Give me your hand. Let me, let me grab a hold of my hand. Let's walk through this so we can, so we can well, I'll help you through this because I've been there. I know it's discouraging. I know it's dark, but I promise you the light is coming into your life. And too many times we need to remind people you're a new creation. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new in your life. One of the hardest things that most Christians have a hard time with is realizing they're a new creation. People come to our, we had a guy that come to work right and he, he, was, he was on drugs and he'd been strung out and he got saved and for about four months, man, he was doing really good. Then one day he disappeared. If you know anything about that world and about that people that deal with that, when they disappear, that's usually not a good sign. And one day he come in behind, Sunday, we was in, I think I was in the middle of preaching, he walked in the back door and he come up to the front and he fell down. And, and so, the service is over. So I was getting in and we started praying for him. He said, I need to get saved again. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, I'm lost. I've, I've, I've backslid. I need to get saved again. I said, no, you don't need to get saved again. I said, because what you're saying is the salvation you had the first time wasn't strong enough. And that's a lie. I said, I said thank God you're here. Thank God you've been through the things you've been through. He looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, it shows me that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Did you enjoy it? No, it was the worst time I've ever had in my entire life. So I was miserable. I said, because you realize that's not who you are anymore. Because you're a new creation and the old things that used to satisfy the flesh can no longer satisfy the flesh anymore because the spirit inside of you cries out, Abba, Father. The spirit inside of you cries out, this is not who we are. Woo! Man, that's beautiful. Gospel of Jesus Christ is very powerful. And we've used it in a very, very wrong way. We use it in a very harmful and dangerous way. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about life. It's about bringing a life forward and saying, now you, may, you can live and you can live in freedom of your, of your own self. I'm gonna go ahead. I, I forgot to pass the mic a couple of weeks ago. You, you reminded me of a story that a man, Terry Carter, in our valley told. And um, he talked about, and as he talked about that he um, had a, a hunting dog and had gotten mange. And he loved this dog. You know, you pay a lot of money for those hunting dogs. And so he had to do all the treatment, dip it, and all that stuff. And you have to keep it away from everything else. So he had a tractor tire, and he put it in the back corner of his yard and did a chain to the dog and kept him on that tire. And he said he had to do this for several weeks because he just, the mange wasn't clearing up. And he took the food out there, did all that with the dog. Well, finally, it was cleared up, and the vet was like, I think you can let him go now. So he went out and undid his chain, and the dog just laid there, you know. And he always had fed him on the porch of the house. And so when it's feeding time, he puts the food there, and the dog does not move. He looks at him, just puts his head back down. And he doesn't think much about it. And he goes on, and the food was still there that night. Well, the next day, he goes to feed him. Food's still there. And, and he's just kind of like, well, that, I know that dog ain't that stupid. I undid that chain, like the food's here. And he keeps kind of doing it. And finally, the third day, he was like, well, this dog's going to starve if I don't do something. So he picked up the bowl, and he took it to the dog where he was feeding him before, and he set it there. And the dog ate. It was hungry, you know. And he started just doing that, taking the bowl to the dog. And every day, he said he moved it a little closer to the porch, just a little bit, a couple of inches. And... The Lord was showing him something through this dog thing. Sure, he could have just been like, come on, boy, get kick him out of the hole. Come on, get out of here. You're not tied up anymore. But he just took his time with this dog. And then this dog realized that, oh, I'm not even chained up. I can pretty much go anywhere I need on the porch again. And I remembered that story. And I was thinking while Brent was preaching, like, how good and tender the Lord is. Me and Laura were talking about that before we sang. Just that he's right there in it with you. 
It says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. And that's even when you're in a mess. That's even when you're messed up and you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing. He's right there. And I was thinking, you know, as the church, we've got to watch that when Jesus came, he undid the chain on everybody. There is no chain holding us. There's no tire. There's no limit restriction. But the church, we don't represent him well because we put the food bowl by the porch and then we get mad that they don't get up and come eat it. And we say, well, I don't know. They'll just start. They don't want it. They don't want the gospel. They don't want it. And we don't ever look and go, they don't know they're free. They just don't know. So are we going to just keep judging and being mad because people don't do what we think they should do? Or are we going to pick up the food bowl, walk over to them, sit it down and sit with them and just keep feeding them? Keep bringing them to the truth until they realize, I, I'm not chained up. There is nothing holding me back. And they, they get the truth. That's the gospel. That's how easy it is, is you just sit with them and love them out of their realization, wait a minute, I'm not bound by anything. I'm free. I'm free. Amen. The gospel is a lot easier than we've made it to be. Amen. And I believe that our job as Christians is to present that gospel, to present it in a way that people receive it, instead of using it as a baseball bat to beat people into submission, which is what we've seen a lot of Christianity become. Um, I want to, just to talk about that. Right now, there's a huge thing that's a movement. A lot of people seem to be really worried about people. There's a mass exiting of the church. There's a lot of stuff coming out of church abuse, which is rightfully so. There's a lot of stuff that's crazy that's been going on in our churches for a long time that's coming to the light. A lot of people are using these, a lot of our Christian people are using this thing, you can't touch God's anointed. And I think that is one of the most evil sayings that a leader can say. Uh, Because I would say to them, what about the anointed that you've been messing with? Um, so when, when I talk a lot about the church, I, I, I minister a lot of out of that coming out. But I, I speak it in hope that, our, that we will change things. That we, we have the ability to change. I can't change everybody, every other church, but I can change myself. And as a minister and a leader, I can lead us to hopefully going that direction of ministering out of a pure place, ministering out of a place of, of, of just the heart of the Father. Um, and I'm going to say this, I'm not even ministering out of a place so that we can get enough people so we can go home. Or ministering enough, we want to do, we want ministry to happen so we can have revival. A lot, of our, a lot of our ministry comes out of, we either want to build a church, we want revival, or we're trying to get out of here. Jesus never said, when it comes close to the end, prepare to get out and quit doing everything. Occupy until I return. We don't, I, don't, we don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. And I'm not really worried about it because got, we've got work to do. We've got people to love on. We've got people to share the gospel with. Amen. Um, when, we, when we begin to speak, sometimes I get very passionate about it and I don't want people to, to ever feel like that I, because I love the church. God loves the church. He, he's the one who instituted the church. Have we gotten some things wrong? Uh, 110% we've gotten things wrong. But God's given us an opportunity to fix. He's given us an opportunity to go back and to, to reach people because over the past 100 years, ministry has come less about people and more about organizations and more about building of, of ministries. God never called us to build ministries, but he said, I want you. And he said, didn't even really say build the church. He said, I'll build the church. He said, you make disciples. Love people. Walk with people. Making disciples is more than just preaching at people. That's going to make relationships with people. It's easy sometimes for the church to go away from the church because we never made a relationship with them. It'd be hard, hard for me to get mad at my dad. And I've been mad at my dad before and I've left the house (laughs) and come back. Mainly because I got hungry, but but it it's, it's hard for me to leave that relationship and just say, I'm done with it. So with the relationship that I have with my father, when I left, I'd go away and I'd calm down and begin to think about what he said. 
and go, you know what? He's really not just being a, a pain. He's actually trying to help me out. Maybe, maybe I need to listen. But you know why? Because time and time again, he had proven himself in a relational way that he wasn't there to harm me, but he was there to help me. And too many times, one reason we're seeing a mass exit of the church is because the church has not been relational for people. We've not helped people. We've only told them what they needed to do, and they didn't do it. And a lot of times we shunned them. And it's easy for people to leave something like that. I have people in our ministry that are connected to me that they get mad and they leave for a little bit, but they don't always stay gone. They always come back because I've, we've built that relation with them of trust and that we're here and we really want for you. Now, I'm going to speak some truth to you and straight. It may hurt. And I've even had to go into some conversations and say, you're going to be mad at me when I say this. <laughs> the Lord told me one time that one of those relationships, he said, he's going to be mad at you for, for this year. Most of this year. <laughs> I told him that. No, no, no. Speak to him. Got mad. But he come back. And I still have that relationship with him. And that's what I really hope. And I think that's what Christ wanted us to be as the church is that relational peace. Doesn't mean that we don't speak truth, but we learn how to speak truth into in love and, and that we build that relationship so that when we speak it, that even though they go out, they're still an anchor. They're still a, a, a tie to us that, that they know that it's a safe tie that they can come back. That they can walk back and we don't leave those things broken off. And that's what God is wanting to restore to the church is the relational peace to people, to hearts, to, to minds, to souls. Um, before we leave today, I want, to, um, I want us to pray for Jack and Kay and just their family. Um, they, uh, Jack, is, he's doing better. I don't think he's as far along as he thinks he needs to be. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Jack, I apologize. <laughs> but, but we just pray for them, pray for Miss Kay. Um, let's just pray for their family. Um, anybody else, does anybody got any prayer requests we could, we could bring before the Lord? No? Okay, pray for that. Um, pray for uh, Camp Hope, for Ronnie, and for what, what the Lord's doing here. Pray for Four Rivers um, and the other churches that are coming together. Uh, so if you would, Amen. If you will, let's just, bow our, let's just pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the day that you've given us and the many blessings of this day. God, we lift up our, our leaders, Jack and Kay, Lord, as they are recovering and feeling the healing of, 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 of the presence of God, Lord. You're making Jack stronger every day, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for their, the spirit that they carry of a mother and a father. Lord, that they, uh, they are connected in prayer, God, connected in the spirit. We pray you lift them up. Uh, give them revelation, speak to them as, as they have this downtime, Lord. Uh, we pray for their family, God. We pray for their kids, uh, Lord, their grandkids. Lord, everything that has any meaning to them, we pray that you just you, you, you bless them, God. You lift them up. You strengthen them in this hour. God, Lord, a couple that have stood for the gospel, they've stood for healing. They stood for restoration, God, Lord, and, and we pray that they receive that, God, that they see that, God, happen, God. And as we carry on here, Continue doing the work, God. Give us guidance. Give us direction. Uh, God, we pray for the young lady, God, her friend. And, Lord, this, this, this passing away of a, of a friend or a cousin, Lord, a loved one, Lord, many have lost. We pray for comfort in that area, God, that the Holy Spirit would sweep in. God, we pray for Ronnie, for Camp Hope. And, Lord, that you would give him guidance and direction and just give him the faith and the strength to carry out the work that you've given us, God. God, each one of us individually, God, we pray. God, you've spoken some things to us, and you've, you've shown us how to, to move and do things. We pray that you open those things up to us. God, give us the strength and the wisdom to walk those things out, God. God, we, we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, God. God, we thank you for everything you're doing in our lives right now, God. And God, we go ahead and just thank you for the things that you're going to do, God, and the blessings that you're going to, we're going to see, God. Lord, we pray that this, this McAllister area, southeast Oklahoma, God, will be saved. And God, there will, that, that, they, that southeast Oklahoma will begin to see, God, the light of Jesus Christ. And everything of this world, every, every crazy thing in this world will grow strangely dim, God. We won't understand it. How does this happen? But we focus on you and we continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. God, the word of Jesus Christ and God being led by the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you. We worship you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we leave, Ronnie, would you lead us in our...
Declarations. I almost said decorations. Jesus get his full reward. Everybody's living.